Hi guys, welcome to or welcome back to From the Heart Space. I'm Emily Sedona. Thanks so much for clicking on this episode. I'm so grateful for all the feedback that I got on my last episode and just feeling really good riding that high kind of of putting something very vulnerable out there and having it be well received. It really means a lot to me. I really, really appreciate it. This week has been super crazy for me. I would have loved to see this video go out last weekend and I'm still trying to find the groove for posting for me. Sometimes I feel like a specific day isn't going to work out. So for example, my house is really small that my boyfriend and I share together with our two dogs and essentially the whole thing is like my recording studio when it comes to vlogging or making videos, stuff like that. So a lot of the times I can't film something like this if my boyfriend is home just because I can hear him literally breathing in the next room and it's picked up on my audio. So this week we ended up getting kind of snowed in. We got a ton of snow where we live in Maine and it's so beautiful. I'm looking out over the lake right now, the whole lake is frozen and there's snow on top of it and it's gorgeous but that meant we got to spend some time together and I didn't really have a good chance to film where I could kind of have control of the external sounds happening in the back of my videos. If you don't know uh, my boyfriend and I live in a tiny I guess you would call it cottage on a lake in Maine and you know, everything just kind of creaks and groans and it's a really, really small space. So we're kind of learning to like coexist. You know what I mean? Like our dining room is my podcast area and also his art studio. So we're just like live on top of each other all the time. And just adding this one more thing that I need to do in the space by myself. Like I'm still figuring out what day of the week is best to sit down and film this. Usually all my vlogging and stuff happens during his work week because it's just easier, like I said, to vlog when I have the house to myself. But anyway, this week we got snowed in and I have taken up another hobby. So I just learned how to knit. And at the same time, I'm also learning how to create a sourdough starter. And now I just got my kombucha scoby, which I'm hoping to make my kombucha tonight. I'm really excited to ferment for the next week. But I started knitting this hat and my best friend got me into knitting and she said it was gonna be so easy and it was so good for me to just be off my phone. And it is keeping me off my phone. Like I love just like listening to a podcast or watching a YouTube video or listening to a YouTube video and just kind of sitting there and knitting away. But my boyfriend kept being like, are you sure it's a hat? Like it doesn't look like a hat. And let me tell you this morning, I took a look at the hat and the hat, you could literally fit two normal sized human being heads in this hat. And the stitches are perfect. I'm really proud of it. So I'm gonna just finish the project. And even though I have no idea where something went wrong, like I followed these directions to a T, clearly something went wrong somewhere. But I just think it's so funny that it's so messed up. Like it's such a mess up. It's not like a couple stitches have been dropped. It's like royally fucked up. Um, but it's just kind of funny and it feels good and I'm like emotionally attached to it. So I need to just finish the project instead of just scrapping the yarn. But yeah, that's pretty much all that's new for me this week. This week I felt a lot of pressure for this video. I know that, um, my sobriety journey is something that a lot of you are really interested in and is a big reason why you follow me. And I feel like I've done a pretty big disservice over the past year of, not talking about that. I do my yearly checkup date on July 5th, which is my sobriety date. And on my yearly check-ins, I usually talk about my story a little bit, but my DMs are always pretty full 
of people asking for tips and I just kind of wanted to use this video to give you advice if you're freshly sober, things to expect. If you don't want to be sober, that's totally fine. Um, this episode's just going to be like a deep dive on a little bit more of my history and shit that I went through too. So let's just jump into it. So a bit of a backstory. I fell in love with drinking very, very early on, probably like 16. Between 16 and 18, when I was in high school, I was drinking really heavy, loved partying, you know, loved that whole party girl persona and kind of rolled that on until I was probably like 24, you know, um, dancing and all that stuff kind of just like snowballed all of that. When I decided to get sober, there's gotta be kind of like a day of reckoning, right? It's gonna be the worst day of your life. But for me, you gotta hit rock bottom in order to swing up, okay? So whatever your day may be that you decide to get sober, whatever that cause may be, no matter how like horrible a thing you might have done, and sometimes it's not even anything. Like for me, it really wasn't anything drastic. I just had one more day where I was so depressed, waking up hungover that I was like, I cannot live like this anymore. But you know, people get in car wrecks or get arrested or all the things that come with being in like the trenches of addiction, pretty much. Whatever your moment is, I mean, if you're watching this video and you like typed in like how to stay sober, how to get sober, what should I do? Because that's what I did. When I first got sober, I felt literally on my own. Like no one else had ever experienced this in their entire life. And I'm assuming that that is a very common feeling because once I kind of delved a little deeper into getting sober and finding other members of the community, like going to AA for young people and stuff like that. Once I started doing that, I realized that I am literally not the only person experiencing this and it became a much less lonely feeling. So if you are just doing your little research, maybe you're not even sober yet and you're just aspiring, right? Okay, so here's my advice on how to stay sober. And it's different for everyone. I'd like to say I'm an expert because it worked this time, but everybody's sobriety journey is really, really different. Some people struggle their whole entire lives with trying to find their footing, right? Some people start trying to find their footing at like 50 or 60 years old. Um, I got sober when I was 24, just turning 25. And I've been sober for three and a half years now. So this all just comes from my heart, my opinion, what I would tell younger me. So take everything with a grain of salt, make everything fit for you, okay? And if you can't achieve all of these things, don't feel like it's setting you up for failure. Step one you're by yourself. You're questioning everything. Everything is so bad. Everything is so horrible. Everything in your life sucks. If you're like me, you had the anxiety that you're a bad person. You're never going to be able to make friends. You're always going to be by yourself. You're always going to be whatever. None of this is true, but I feel you go through the motions, throw the pity party, lay in bed for like a month or two if you need to. I think I literally laid in bed for like three months probably. And that's okay. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos on other creators that had gotten sober at a young age. I feel like at a young age, it feels the most isolating because everybody else is like going to the bars and partying and stuff like that. So the number one thing is really difficult. And that is get rid of your friends. If you want to stay sober, you're never gonna do that in the same environment that you got hurt in, right? So if you wanna be sober and you're hanging out with 
your best friend every day who, you know, is drinking beers at noon and, you know, doing lines all night to stay up, right? If you think for a second that you're going to go over their house on a Friday night and you're going to have the strength inside of you to say, no, I'm not going to drink or no, I'm not going to do drugs. You're wrong. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Don't put any faith in yourself. I didn't put any faith in myself for like a year, right? Didn't go out with friends, didn't go out to a party, didn't even go to a restaurant where people were drinking for a year, full year, okay? So this isolation period is pretty, it's pretty hard and it's gonna suck. It's gonna be the most painful thing you've probably ever done in your life. For me during this period, I was the most convinced and afraid that I would never have a partner again because a lot of my interactions with men were when I was under the influence because I was shy, turns out. So I was concerned that I was gonna be alone for the rest of my life. I had just, you know, kicked all of my friend group to the curb. And this is the key step. On Friday night, you're not going over your friend's house. You can still be friends with them, I guess, but you need to create that distance. In my opinion, if your friends are just drinking and like getting high all the time, you probably don't have as much in common as you think if you're trying to get sober. And it sounds harsh. It's the harsh reality of it. And I think like looking back, like I miss all these good times with these friends that I had for years and years, but I wouldn't have become the person I am today if I didn't get sober. And I definitely was not gonna get sober hanging out in those basements every single weekend like I was. It just wasn't gonna happen. So get rid of the friends. Change your environment. So if you work at a bar for your job, this probably isn't gonna work out, at least in the beginning steps of your sobriety. I don't think you can go through the motions. Like you're not, you're not rock solid yet. So I don't think you can heal in like a bar setting. So like for me, I was stripping. I definitely wasn't gonna get sober in the strip club. I had tried multiple times, always lasted. I think the longest I went was like 100 days. Always fell right back into it because the second you have a bad day, you're at work, right? And everybody's just drinking. Or if you're just working at a regular bar or any nightlife, I think it's really hard to get sober. So I think that you might want to consider a career change. And I know that's really big, but if you're in the trenches of wanting to get sober, this is probably a really big problem for you and you're not very happy with your life. And I promise you that making these switches will help. So when I got sober, and I've talked about this in another video before, but when I got sober, I quit dancing, moved out of my apartment. I lived in Oregon at the time and moved back into my mom's basement in New Hampshire. And this was the best thing I could have done. And I was I was there for a little bit, hanging out with like my high school friends before I got sober. I understand that like a lot of people aren't going to have the opportunity to just like move home with mom and dad or change apartments or whatever. But again, I think you need to take consideration of your living situation as well. Like if you have a roommate that has parties all the time, you either need to create like an isolation chamber for yourself in your room where you're like, okay, I'm not going out there. I have noise canceling headphones on. I'm not going to interact because the second you like open that door and go join the party until you have your concrete foundation, it's never going to go well. My life lesson in the first year is don't trust yourself. The way I treat myself when I was first getting sober is how like my parents treated me when I was in high school, right? They like literally could not leave their house 
for the weekend because I would throw a party, right? So that's kind of how I suggest you treat yourself for the first year. First year is crucial, right? Because after a year, you've kind of unlearned the old habits and you can kind of give yourself a little more leeway and like test what pushes your boundaries and stuff like that. But before you get rid of your friend group, you should kind of take inventory of every single person in your life and you need to put them on the list, the sober list. If there's someone who will help you stay sober, they can be in your life. If there's someone who says they'll help you be sober, but in reality, you're gonna just end up drinking and partying with them, they can't be on the list. And you can put them back on the list someday when you have your foundation, but for right now, you just can't hang out with them. I created this distance by moving away, obviously. And like I said, I know a lot of you aren't gonna do that, but you can still text someone and talk to someone on the phone and not necessarily like meet up with them for dinner, which will always turn into a drink. You can keep them at arm's length until you are strong enough to invite them back into your life and you get to decide if you are gonna do that and if that is right for you ever. So take inventory of the people. So for me, the people who were allowed in my life were my family and some of my close friends that were like sprinkled throughout the US that I don't see very often. And they're always in my corner. So that is who got to stay on my list. The list was literally like this big. And this is kind of where the next step comes in, which is hunkering down for the loneliest year of your life. This is going to be the most critical year where you figure out what you like, who you are, you get to reassess all of your values. So for me, drinking was literally my only favorite pastime from the ages of 16 to 24. I didn't have any hobbies. I didn't want to do anything else. If going to the club was like my favorite thing to do in the entire world, I didn't want to do anything else. And so it's kind of funny because when you take that away, I experienced a lot of depression because one, I didn't like doing anything else. So I just kind of like sat at home and was like, what the fuck? And then you're anxious and you have FOMO and you're kind of going through all those emotions, right? Because when you first get sober, all of these emotions that you are kind of pushing down with drugs and alcohol, it's their time to shine, baby, because there is nothing that is making them feel better. There is nothing dulling them down for you. You get to feel everything in full force and it is so fucking hard. It's so fucking hard feeling those feelings for the first time. My biggest key point in this was I could not go in the grocery store. I couldn't go in the grocery store. I was so anxious. I had really bad social anxiety and I still kind of do, but I really used alcohol to mask that. So imagine never experiencing social anxiety for four or five years, right? And then all of a sudden, like I was too terrified to speak to the cashier at the grocery store. It was awful. I had panic attacks in the grocery store. My mom would have to go with me. I would have to leave and go sit in the car because I was crying. Just like things that you don't think are gonna be big deals turn out to be really big deals. And it's time to give yourself grace and kind of realize that when these things are happening, it's gonna get better. So I would like, cry and go sit in the car at the grocery store and my mom would come back out and I'd be sobbing my eyes out and I'd be like, I'm never gonna be able to grocery shop again. And it's not true. It's gonna be exposure therapy, it's gonna suck, but you're gonna get stronger. And I go to the grocery store all the time by myself now. I don't even think twice about it. And I actually love grocery shopping. So things are hard in the beginning, but they get a lot easier. This isolation year is for you to discover what you like. It's the year to be a homebody. 
So at the beginning of the video, I kind of talked about my hat that I'm knitting. I loved doing arts and crafts always. And when I was drinking, I never really had time for it or I wouldn't finish a project. Your sobriety first year is literally the perfect time to be exploring, doing like mini dollhouse builds or scrapbooking. Become a grandma. It's your grandma year. Another good thing to be doing is like getting out in nature, going hiking if that's your thing. Figure out what you like. During your isolation period as well, after you kind of make the cuts in your life and you're really on track to stay sober, like you're really doing it, is the time to find a therapist and find a really good one. And I've in the past year, I've used BetterHelp a lot and I see ads for them all the time. And if you have found a good therapist on BetterHelp, I'm really happy for you. I know it's a really affordable option, but I have had the best luck just kind of going on to psychology today and looking up therapists in my area. And then I can kind of find a real life person that's nearby to see them in person. I think the in-person visits can be really helpful because in your first year of sobriety, you are exposed to so few people that to have a real tangible person in your corner makes a big difference. Having someone in your corner that is helping you manage this is going to be huge. If you are really, really struggling with the isolation and you are feeling super alone, I think that this would also be a really good time to join like an AA group. You can join AA groups or NA groups, anything like that. You can find them in your local area. At the beginning, I found this very helpful just to kind of establish that I'm not the only young person that's getting sober. It was nice to see people of all ages in there, but I think they have women's groups and they have men's groups as well. So anything that you find kind of floats your boat, go to at least one meeting, test it out. I personally didn't love AA. Like reading out loud in front of a group of strangers was like my worst fucking nightmare. And so that kind of was something that I was like, oh, in order to go to AA, I need to have a drink so I can be able to talk in front of the class like so that's just why it didn't really work for me I recommend everybody going to at least like one AA meeting just check it out see if it's for you might be for you might not be I remember for my first AA meeting I actually went with one of my friends who wasn't getting sober and we went to the bar before and I don't think I had a drink but she had some lemon drops and we went in there and I just remember like being so self-conscious that we smelled like booze because I could smell it. And I was just like, these poor people, like they know that we've, you know, came from the bar and it just felt like, that's kind of when I realized that I was just like, this is just not gonna work for me. Like I was so anxious the whole time I was in there. And I'm sure it's one of those things like exposure therapy where it would get better. I think AA is great. I, in the last year have like stumbled onto an AA meeting which was really bizarre. I was like camping out of my car and I was in this park and this woman was like, oh, do you mind if we're like having a meeting in this area, you probably like don't wanna be here. And I was like, oh, well, what kind of meeting? And she was like, oh, it's an AA meeting. And I was like, actually, I feel like I should be here. So I feel like AA comes into your life when you need it, if you need it. Um, if you feel like you do better on your own, that's okay too. But I do think that if you are on your own, a therapist is almost, mandatory like it's really difficult to navigate this without uh, the coping tools that a professional would have so instead of like a sponsor you would get a therapist so during this isolation year you're literally just going to build your toolbox of coping skills you're going to learn so much about yourself I think during my first year of sobriety my 
style changed so much. Like it changed like four or five times. I was doing like the Y2K Shein fast fashion hot pink bimbo core. And then I like changed into like fairy core, blah, 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 blah. Cause I was just like trying to find like where I fit in because I hadn't had any room for thought outside of where am I gonna get my next drink? Where am I gonna get my next line? Like I had all this extra time to think and like be creative. And it was very interesting to see everything I did in that year. I did so many crafts. I made like a giant penis disco ball, which was very cool. Uh, I made a mushroom disco ball. I made a lot of disco balls during uh, my first sobriety year, all in my mother's house. Like I was just like crafting and being crazy. I was also unemployed during this time. I shouldn't say unemployed. This, when I first got sober is when I first started posting on TikTok. And I really think that I wouldn't have a TikTok career if I didn't get sober because I was just so fucking bored and like sitting at home and trying to figure out what I was doing with my life and myself and was just entertaining myself on the app. So it's very interesting to see what changes you make in your life like creatively when you get sober. So I really recommend like falling into like arts and crafts or like music or travel, doing something that is just an outlet for you and not really having a purpose for it, right? So like dressing up or finding a new style or whatever, finding a hobby. This is your year to find a hobby, okay? And it can be anything you want. Try literally everything. Try surfing, try soccer, try building birdhouses, okay? It's time to find a new passion that isn't going to ruin your life anymore. And also it's really good to just stay busy. You need to stay busy because on the days where I wouldn't stay busy, I would be in bed staring at a wall, okay? And I feel like in the first month, you're allowed to do that. Like that's perfectly normal, healthy, and expected is to for you to be like kind of depressed and being like, what the fuck is going on? But after that, you need to busy your time and find something to do. Because if you just stare at a wall, you're never gonna heal and it's crazy like the thoughts you'll have. I'm a pretty anxious person. And so like keeping my hands busy was really beneficial to me. Like I said, other than just sitting in bed and having that downward spiral all day, just find something fun to do. Even if it's like something stupid, like I said, you can buy really fun dollhouses, like dollhouse kits on Amazon and they have everything like tiny little books and tiny little plants and you just super glue them all together. And that's what I pretty much did for my first year was arts and crafts, crying, and figuring out who I was. So this is a good time to start journaling. I talk about journaling pretty much in every single one of my vlogs and videos. You don't have to be sober to journal. I think everybody should journal every morning. Get your feelings out. I think it's also, if you start journaling when you get sober, it's fun to be able to look back in those books and see how, it sounds kind of fucked up now that I'm thinking about it, but it's helpful to see how fucking hopeless you felt in the first m month and week and like all these awful feelings and you being like, I'm never gonna be happy again. I'm never gonna make friends again. I'm never gonna have a partner again. And then like, you know, you get to where I am and you're like three years or even one year down the line. And you're like, oh my God, all of these amazing things have happened to me because I stayed sober. And in that moment, I was so sad, but my life is so fucking good right now. And I just wish I could tell beginner sober me that like she just needs to hang on because things are gonna get so much better. And that's it is like the farther you go, if there's documentation of how you felt, 
you're able to give yourself a pep talk. So for me, like I can read my journal entries from year one and be like, okay, I can do this another year. I can do this another five years. Like I still will have those moments where I feel like I'm missing out. I feel like my life isn't fun anymore because I don't drink especially around the holidays, like New Year's and stuff like that. You see everybody going out to the clubs and getting dressed up and going to parties. And it's like you, that feeling of that FOMO never goes away, but time will help you like not care. Like New Year's Eve was like two weeks ago. And I'm not really thinking about that as much as I was on New Year's Eve. You know what I mean? So like time heals all wounds and you can build perspective off of time past and the more good days you have under your belt the more you can like train your brain to be like oh okay I know things are getting better so things can only get even better from there so like I said year one is really hard because you're experiencing everything for the first time you're experiencing all the holidays for the first time you're experiencing birthdays for the first time and like the hardest date of all is Coming one full circle year and getting to the date where you know the day you decided you wanted to get sober and like what the cause of that was and I think that that can be a painful reminder followed the next day by like okay I've made it a year I've literally made it a year and I'm so proud of myself you know so year one isolation and building that foundation and building the positive days you're artillery of positive days and journaling to document you can journal you can vlog I think a lot of my TikToks in the beginning were about sobriety because I needed to document how I was feeling I think a lot of people don't talk about how shitty they feel when they first get sober you feel fucking lonely you feel kind of fucking lame honestly and maybe you feel lame for missing out and missing going to the bars and and missing partying or whatever you know you feel lame for whatever reason you have but at the end of the day after you hit that year mark you feel like a fucking winner because life is only going up from there like I said if you think you should be sober or you're trying to get sober chances are alcohol and drugs whatever substance you're using is making you feel like shit and making your life not as good as it can be and you can recognize that subconsciously or consciously, you know. And I'm definitely not the type of person that's like alcohol and like smoking weed and like whatever. I don't I don't think they're bad. I really don't. I just don't think that I can't have a normal life and have those substances in my life. It's just not possible. And it's a shame. But at the same time, it's like, like I said, Seeing all these good things happen from me and not partaking in them has been very helpful. So seeing all the good things that have happened to me since I got sober, like so many good things have happened because I got sober and it's just like really nice to see that, you know, like I have a career now, a career that I never would have had before. I have my boyfriend, never would have met him. I have you know, my van that I travel in never would have done any of that because I wasn't sober. I didn't care. Celebrating your little wins even throughout the year will help you so much. Like if you make it through one holiday without drinking, you're like, oh my God, I don't feel anxious after Thanksgiving that everybody hates me. I didn't ruin Thanksgiving by drinking three bottles of wine and 
telling my sister she's a fucking idiot. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't ruin the holiday. That would be my thing. Um, shout out to all the fellow holiday ruiners. Used to be president of that club. You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to do that. Imagine like a Thanksgiving or a Christmas where you don't feel anxious the next day because you don't worry about what you said or made a fool of yourself or screamed at somebody or whatever. You don't have to worry about that. You can remember everything and you can just have a nice time with your family. I think like for me too, it's like, I never really cared about holidays that much, but since I got sober, I'm obsessed. Like I am that Christmas bitch. And I think that a big part of that is because I used to dread the day after of everything because I would just be like, I don't know what I did. Like, cause oftentimes I was pretty hostile, especially towards the end of like my drinking. So for me, I love celebrating the holidays now because I am in control of myself and I can like make sure I'm like, we're gonna have a perfect Christmas. Like there's gonna be no screaming, it's gonna be awesome. Once you experience that, you're experiencing all these little wins that are happening throughout the year. You can kind of get feet back under you, get some confidence in yourself again to not be drinking. And I'm sure a year sounds like really fucking daunting to be like, oh, I'm not gonna feel better or I'm not gonna feel whole again for an entire year. And that's not true. That's just like my case. And I think I'm prepping you for like worst case scenario. And it's a lot of work. And I, I think that you're not rock solid in your sobriety until after a year. And for some people, you might not ever be rock solid. You know, for myself, I didn't feel stable and trustworthy until a year had gone by. And I had pretty much experienced almost everything that I felt like would cause me to falter in my sobriety a little bit. But that's my perfect equation for year one of sobriety. It's weeding out anybody that's gonna fuck with my sobriety. Even if you love them so much, they're your best friend in the entire world. If they love you, they can love you from a distance. You have to choose you. You cannot ruin your life because you love this person so much. It's, I think the hardest thing is, is like, for me, I had just gotten broken up with and this guy was pretty much like my co personal cocaine factory. So when he broke up with me and went no contact, that helped me get sober. I think it's a lot more difficult if you are dating someone who is using and I don't think personally it's possible. It might be possible. I shouldn't say it's not possible because I don't wanna, you know, I'm sure there is somebody out there. Maybe there's someone who has a YouTube video on it on how to get sober when your partner is not sober. I just don't think that I ever could have done that. I think the greatest gift that that man ever did was leave so that I could kind of start this whole journey on my own. And also I think that if a person really loves you, they're not going to put your sobriety at risk, right? If this is something like, this is finally you choosing yourself, choosing to take your life into your own hands and better your life and want to be in a place that you want to be in, this person's not going to do that, you know? Um, if you live with a partner who does not have a substance abuse problem, that's probably gonna look like no alcohol in the house for a year. Like I said, I moved in with my mom and she's not really much of a drinker. So that wasn't an issue for me, but a partner's gonna have to be on board. And I think when it's your kid getting sober, you feel a little more like tied into it. So a mom is obviously willing to not have alcohol in the house, but I'm curious as to how that would look like for, you know, if you're just dating someone. A partner should be on board enough 
to be able to say, okay, in order to support you, no alcohol, no drugs in the house, whatever. So that's a big key part. And if they can't get on board, that's also something you're going to want to look at. For your first year, we're weeding everybody out. We're not spending time with people who are going to enable us or ruin our sobriety. We're going to have just like our close-knit group of cheerleaders cheerleaders, people who are so proud of you. They're in your corner. They're so happy you're sober. They want you to be sober. Choose your inner circle very wisely. You're gonna have your core group of people. You're gonna have your therapist. You're gonna have your hobby, right? You can have 50 hobbies. You can pick a new hobby every day. It doesn't have to be like anything you're married to. You just need to be doing something. Always have something to do. You're going to AA, at least one, test it out. See if you like it. Then you can make your own decision on if you like it or not. Maybe you'll meet a new friend through AA, which can also be someone who is in your corner. I've heard a lot of really good stories about people finding friend groups in AA. I've heard awesome things about it. Again, it's just not something that like worked out for me. I also got sober during like the peak of COVID. So by the time I moved back to my mom's house, there was no in-person AA meetings and I'm not a over the phone type of person. So I didn't, that's probably 99% of why I didn't follow through with AA. I think if a meeting had been available to me, I probably would have done it. So figure out if AA works for you. And then you're gonna take your year to learn about yourself, right? So take your year and it's gonna be ups and downs. You're gonna journal through the whole thing so that you have something to look back on. You have a place to dump your brain every day. You have a place to get all of your emotions out in a nice, healthy way. And that combined with your therapist, you should be feeling pretty good. So if you follow all these things, I think you can make it to year one, year one of sobriety. You can make it to your first year. And I know that sounds weird and crazy, and you're probably thinking that I'm fucking insane right now. Maybe I am, but if I was with you, I would literally give you a big hug and tell you that I have felt so fucking horrible, just like you feel right now. And I've been there and I've been so lonely and I felt like I was just gonna die and there was no point anymore because I, I liked nothing and I didn't wanna do anything and my life was never gonna be better. It's gonna get better it's literally going to get better and you're not gonna be lonely and you will have friends and you will meet somebody and you just need to get your first year under your belt and you need to have a little bit of faith in yourself and you really need to learn how to like yourself. Like I remember when I first got sober, the toughest advice was learning to like myself again because I, again, didn't have any hobbies, didn't have very much I liked about my life. I had, you know, treated my body like shit because I was just drinking like, eight crown and cokes every single day, you know? So I felt like shit, I looked like shit. And after like six months, your body starts changing and like you start to kind of come out of this weird like brain fog that you had from like the substances that were clouding all of your judgment making skills. And you start to kind of experience life and see the sunshine again, if that makes sense. Learning to have fun outside of drugs and alcohol is gonna be, your best blessing ever and you need to be you know writing down things that feel good writing down things that make you feel happy in addition to like all the big feelings you're having because you need to realize that like life is still going on around you and for once you can actually see the whole world and see the big picture rather than just be like in someone's basement getting hammered and like fucked up all night I think that not a lot of people talk about 
the self-hatred or the depression that goes on when you first get sober too. And I think that if you are experiencing symptoms that feel extremely overwhelming and you feel like there is no hope, that I hope you reach out and get help and have some assistance moving through kind of like this big roadblock until you're able to kind of stand on your own two feet with it. I don't know what's best for you and everybody's totally different. And maybe a 60 day inpatient is gonna be like your ticket and exactly what you need. I am just telling you that like no matter what you're going to find your way and you're going to make it through it. I just did not have that in my cards, but I still made it through. I still made it through. I made it through. And like I said, there were some scary moments where I probably should have been in impatient. Like I am so thankful that my mom took me into her home because there's just no way living in an apartment by myself I could have done that. So just be ready to reach out for help and don't feel like you need to do all of this alone because you probably can't. Realistically, you're going to need a doctor or you're going to need a therapist or you're going to need a friend or your mom or someone from AA. You really need somebody else there to help you make the right decisions, especially in the beginning. I found that when I first got sober, it took like probably two to three months before I felt like my brain fog was lifted. Like your decision-making is just a little bit off. For me, I thought that um, my short-term memory <laughs> was was gonna come back and it, ha it got better. Like I feel like my memory has gotten a lot better, but um, it's not perfect. And I actually do think that that's from prolonged substance abuse. Um, and at the beginning it was really, really bad. Like I couldn't remember something that someone had said to me five seconds ago, I had no idea. And so don't be scared as your brain kind of adjusts to like breathing air for the first time in a long time. I think that like your thought patterns are going to have to be rewired for a little bit. Like every day I woke up and my brain told me that I was fucking crazy. Like I would look in the mirror and I'd be like, you're fucking crazy for no reason, completely unprompted for like the first couple months of my sobriety. And that's something that I literally would have to physically combat every single day by like looking in the mirror and being like, you're not crazy. And like saying it out loud and like watching that come out of my mouth while I looked at myself in the mirror. I think that the crazy thing is such a trigger for me because like, then to like experience those symptoms when I first got sober of like hearing whispers and like seeing weird images and stuff like that and like actually feeling like I was going crazy. I feel like if I hadn't lived with my mom, I would have started drinking right then and there. Because the second I started seeing shit and like seeing things wavering and stuff like that, the only thing I can like kind of um, amounted to is like I've done like microdose of like DMT and things get like very wavy. That's like kind of what I was experiencing, but I was sober. And so that's why I like thought that I was like convinced myself that I was like tripping a little bit. I think it was like some sort of stage of psychosis. So I think like the key thing to take away from this is you're not crazy and you're not your thoughts because your thoughts are gonna be insane in the first couple months of this healing process. Like I said, brain getting that breath of fresh air, like it's never experienced before. All of the things that you don't like about your life that caused you to drink before that you might not have known you felt are going to be like on the forefront of your brain and your brain's going to be telling you that all the time like on a feedback loop and learning to kind of take away that power and relearn something is going to be really hard so like every time you have that shitty thought that's I'm crazy you're going to say I'm not crazy I'm not crazy and I'm going to have a good day I'm not crazy 
I love myself. Like, I'm not crazy and then like put something else in. Like, I'm creative, you know? And you have to catch it like when it happens because if you don't catch it and you fall into that, I'm crazy, I'm crazy, I'm crazy, I'm crazy, that obsessive thought thing, maybe that's just like my brain. If you listen to that, it will drag you to such a deep, dark place and that's where your sobriety becomes like at risk again, right? Or like you fall into one of my stages where you're just like, staring at the wall, laying in bed in the fetal position for like two weeks. You don't wanna do that. If you have to do that, do that in the beginning for a little bit. I understand that you have to just like kind of cope a little bit, right? Just be prepared for your brain to be saying the fucking craziest shit to you and be super prepared to be like ready to fight your own brain and tell yourself that it's not true because it's a key factor. And I it's something that I struggle with like even every day, but I think more so when you first get sober, that chatter in your brain that you're just not used to it. And it's just so fucking loud. And that's why I used to drink was just to fucking shut all that up, turn it all off, go have some fun, go be the party girl, go laugh and dance and be crazy and not sit there and like essentially hate myself, tear myself apart. I never thought when I got sober that I hated myself. I never thought that I had a problem until probably like a month before I ended up getting sober. I never thought that. I had a therapist one time. I, this was back when I was dating that the guy, right? And it was just such a toxic relationship. And so I got a therapist because I was like, oh, he, my boyfriend is driving me crazy and he's doing A, B, and C wrong and he's always drunk and he's always running away and he's like blah, 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 blah. And she like told me, well, do you think you have a drinking problem? And I was like, no. She was like, I think you do. And it turns out that when they ask, how many drinks do you typically have in one day? And you say seven, that's not normal. I'm like, that was just like a relaxed hanging out Friday night, like watching a movie or something like that. So anyway, your perception of your life when you first get sober or before you get sober is so skewed. Like I now know that seven drinks is way too many drinks to just be casually having in one sitting. I know that. Back then, I didn't think that was a problem. I thought it was only a problem when I like completely lost count and blacked out, right? And I'm like, babe, after seven drinks, you are blacking out. You're gonna learn a lot about yourself. I wish that I had documented a lot more of my thoughts and like bad feelings earlier on because I feel like that's kind of a common theme for everybody that I've talked to about this is like preparing for your brain to be really mean to you and preparing to kind of overcome that and push through that and know that like your brain is not telling you the truth, right? I get so many DMs and I'm hoping that this video kind of just like tells you what to brace for and kind of the things that you can implement in order to like soften that blow a little bit. Like I said, getting a therapist is gonna be your best bet. Going to an AA meeting is going to be your best bet getting like a group of people that really care about you and are willing to be your cheerleader no matter what um, is going to be your best bet. Just kind of building your foundation. Your first year, you're gonna have really good days. You're gonna have really fucking shitty days. I'm gonna be honest with you, but it's life. And I can honestly tell you that I've had really shitty days during this year three, and um, but it's way less. It's so much less. Like it's a fraction of it and you're not gonna be dying for a drink every day. You're not going to feel like 
you can't do these things. And also like I have implemented going to bars and stuff like that. So it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I can never go to a party again. No, you can. I just don't recommend it in the first year because you just don't have a solid foundation yet. So I've just kind of touched on things that I think will help if you're getting into sobriety, things that you can expect that I think that like people didn't explain to me. You got to figure out your why you want to be sober. Um, my why was just like, I woke up and literally hated myself after I drank. And then I would start drinking all over again because I just couldn't fucking deal with it. I was embarrassing myself. Like if you're waking up and you literally like just cover your ears because everything in your head is so loud, like I did, <laughs> uh, there's probably something else going on. So whatever brought you here, thank you for watching. I hope some of it was helpful. I hope it makes you feel less alone if you need this. Um, I hope you find the support you need. I'm here for you. I love you. I support you. And I feel for you if you're going through this. You're not alone. There's tons of resources online and you can totally do this. I, I really have faith in you and I am sending you all the love in the world. Thank you so much for watching.